Hi friends, today we are talking about rhythmic building blocks for elementary general music. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 55 of Elemental Conversations. This is a little bit different from our typical uh, episode outline. Normally, um, topics come to the podcast from a question from a colleague or a conversation that I have been having with a colleague. This situation is a little bit different. This is just a topic that I really enjoy um, that I've been wanting to talk about. And I started talking about it a little bit on Instagram stories and then realized that, no, I have a lot more to say about rhythmic building blocks. I have a lot more uh, rhythmic building blocks on my heart that I uh, just feel really excited to talk about. So I thought this would be a nice subject to talk through. And specifically now that we are at the end of the year, some of us are in the last weeks of school. I know for some of us, we are in the last days of school, and that is really exciting. As we are wrapping up the year, I think that rhythmic building blocks can be a really exciting avenue to explore if this is new to you and if it is like an old tried and true pedagogy favorite for you, then maybe it's time to revisit it perhaps through a different lens if it's something that's already well loved for you and your students. Before we actually jump in, I do want to address that this is a very uh, orphy topic, right? This phrase, this term, rhythmic building blocks, absolutely has its roots in the orf Schulwerk approach to teaching music. But um, I, I do want to say that I do not view this as an exclusively ORF practice that only ORF-based people are allowed to use. And I share that just to say, if you consider yourself to be a Kodai-inspired educator, I think there's a lot of, of activities, a lot of things for you to use in this episode. And I think that as you listen with your Kodai lens, you will also find a lot of parallels in terms of the activities that we're talking about. A lot of things that you might see as a very convenient tie-in to different places in the prepare, present, practice process. And of course, if you are pedagogically agnostic, then you are certainly welcome in this conversation as well. <laughs> so uh, good teaching is good teaching. This version of good teaching comes from the Orf Schulwerk approach. Okay, with all of that out of the way, let's get into rhythmic building blocks. We are going to talk about what they are. We are going to talk about how they are created, where they come from, how they are constructed. And within that, we'll talk about uh, traditional building blocks, and then I'll just call them non-traditional rhythmic building blocks. Um, we'll talk about the role of notation, and then we get to talk about how we can actually use them in the classroom. And like I said, this is a topic that I think is so much fun. I think there is so much to unpack here. And if you find yourself using rhythmic building blocks a lot, but feeling like perhaps you are getting in a rut with them about, um, you know, I clap something and you echo and then students get in small groups and they rearrange them. There's so much magic there, but if that kind of approach to rhythmic building blocks is getting a little stale for you, um, I have a lot of ideas here and I could go on 
on and on and on and on about this topic. Okay. What are rhythmic building blocks? Very simply, these are just short fragments of a longer musical phrase. Normally, these are going to last for two steady beats, regardless of whatever meter you are in. So whether you are in simple meter or compound meter, and we'll talk about that in a second, you are still working in, in the most part, you are working with two beat rhythmic fragments. Okay, so we know that they are two beat rhythms. Are they just any two beat rhythms that you can come up with off the top of your head as the teacher? Well, kind of, yes and no. There's a, a way we get there. So let's talk about how they are constructed, where they come from. These are rhythms that are uh, the most naturally occurring or the most fundamental or the most used or the most important, the most consequential. Another way to say all of those words are elemental. These are elemental speech patterns that we are pulling from the repertoire. And if they are not being pulled directly, like quite literally from a one-for-one, -one, you know, pulling an exact uh, rhythmic fragment from the repertoire, then they are being pulled from other like repertoire pieces in that same genre. So if you are going to take, uh, you know, like a children's nursery rhyme, there are certain rhythmic patterns that come over, that come up again and again and again. Those become our elemental, our derived from speech, two beat rhythmic building blocks. So when we are thinking about rhythmic building blocks that we will use in our teaching, we are thinking, what is a natural rhythm that is derived from the text? And or what is a natural rhythmic extension of this meter? Now, that all sounds pretty general. So let's bring it into more of a concrete picture of what I'm actually talking about. Let's talk about Kate Mon's rhythmic building blocks. These are the uh, traditional rhythmic building blocks that when most people talk about them, they are talking about these rhythms. Uh, Gunild Kateman was the author of a book called Elementaria, and if you have taken level one, it is entirely possible that you have been asked to purchase this text. So if you have not had level one or any, you know, kind of formalized training in the Schulwerk and you are interested in seeing what these processes might look like in the classroom, uh, Elementaria is a very detailed look at uh, a lot of teaching processes in the Schulwerk. Okay, so Kate Mon illustrates we have uh, several different rhythmic building blocks that are, again, derived from speech. We have ta, ta, ta di ta, ta di ta di, ta, ta di, and ta rest. If we were to use those with text as she does in the book, or rather that perhaps Margaret Murray, uh, who was the translator, does in the book, we have monkey, elephant, alligator, ant eater, snake. So each of those, when I give you those pauses, those are each uh, their own two beat sets for these rhythms. You can probably hear how these are going to be very, very useful for simple duple meter um, and anything with a beat and a beat subdivision or a beat without a sound. But what about the other durations that we work with, right? Music does not come down to ta, ta, Ta-dee-ta, ta-dee-ta-dee-ta-dee-ta, -ta 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 -ta, right? We have a lot of other things going on in terms of rhythmic duration in everyday music, 
So as the meter changes and as our rhythmic set of repertoire changes, our naturally derived speech patterns are also going to change, right? Uh, an example that I have of this is inside the planning binder for a third grade concept plan for Takadi. We are using the rhyme bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? Let me speak that again, and I think it might be fun for us to together think back through the different rhythmic fragments, these two beat building bricks that this rhyme naturally has in it. So let's think about that again. Here we go. Bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? Okay, what did you come up with? There are many possible correct answers, and some of this will also be informed by the repertoire that you are choosing around this one rhyme, bubblegum, bubblegum, the other pieces you are choosing to uh, introduce takadi in a third grade active music making setting. Because again, these rhythms are derived from speech. We don't want them to come out of the blue uh, where students do not have any context to uh, speak and play and move and sing and all of those things to these different durations. Okay. With that aside, let's talk about some of the rhythmic building blocks that we have for this song inside the planning binder, this rhyme inside the planning binder. I have bubble gum, bubble gum, how many pieces, sticky, sticky, bubble gum, so sticky and pop. If we were to speak those in rhythmic syllables in the Takadimi system, we would have Takadi, Takadi, Ta dimi tari, taka dimi taka di, ta tari, and ta rest. Now, of course, I am going to recommend the planning binder if this seems like an avenue that you are interested in experiencing more of. But I also want to talk about one of my favorite series in the whole entire world, Purposeful Pathways. And they do a really nice job of illustrating how these different two-beat fragments, these rhythmic building blocks, can be used throughout an elementary general music teaching sequence. So this is one of their rhymes. It is on, for those of you following along at home, it is on page 56 of book three. Um, the rhyme is birds of a feather, and this is in compound meter. So I will speak it for you. And same thing, let's play that fun, exciting game where I speak something and you think about rhythms that you might pull from this text and use as rhythmic building blocks. In addition to uh, other, other rhythms surrounding, in this case, compound meter. Okay, we have Birds of a feather will flock together, and so will pigs and swine. Rats and mice will have their choice, and so will I have mine. Okay, so we've set the context for these rhythmic building blocks. Yes, this is the set of rhythmic building blocks in compound meter that are laid out uh, in the text by the authors. We have... Pelican swoop, seahawks soaring, sandpipers darting, hawks glide, buzzards scavenging, whirr hummingbird, fly. And again, with that same idea, if we were to use the Takadimi system to speak these rhythms here, we would have Takida ta, Taki taki. Takida taki, 
ta ta taki takida ta takida ta Okay, so that's a look very quickly at how these rhythmic fragments, these uh, rhythmic building bricks of our music are constructed. They are derived from speech. They are derived from the meter that students are working in. Let's talk about the role of notation in these building blocks. We know that the rhythms are derived from text, but what happens if we have rhythms that are from the text, but we're not quite to the situation where students know how to assign a rhythm, like a, a rhythm symbol with a text-based rhythmic building block card, right? So can students only use rhythmic building blocks after they know standardized Western notation to the rhythms that they have been speaking? In my opinion, no. Let's talk about how I approach this. I have some things that I do uh, before notation and then after notation. When I say notation, I mean standardized Western notation. Okay, before standardized Western notation, I can use a thematic text and an image. So an example of that would be with the song Bluebird, Bluebird, I can have some different rhythmic building blocks that are swish, swish, through the window, flying in, and zoom. With those, I would have the words on the card and I have like a little picture of a bird or a picture of a window or a bird flapping or something like that. That can happen before students know the notation for the rhythms that they are using in this song. Another thing that I can do is have that same thematic text and instead of using standardized Western notation, I can use graphic notation to show the length of the sound. So if I am dealing with a beat and a beat subdivision, if I am dealing with what I will notate later as a quarter note and beamed eighth notes, then above that pattern, I am going to put one long line and then two short lines because that shows what the rhythmic duration is. Same thing, uh, you know, two quarter notes. So what we will notate as two quarter notes later would just be two horizontal lines. Uh, two sets of beamed eighth notes will be two sets of uh, short dashes to show two sounds on a beat on beat one and two sounds on a beat for beat two. And this opens up a lot of creative um, opportunities for me before we have that standardized Western notation piece in place. Okay, let's talk about after that notation element, the symbol and the label is learned. Then we have a few more options. We can stick with the thematic text, like in the case of Bluebird, Bluebird, um, we can stick with something like swish, swish and through the window. And I can keep that text on the bottom of the card, but just put that stick notation above the text. So now on a single card, students can see the words that they are speaking and the rhythm syllable that corresponds with those words. Okay, that's an option. Another thing that you might be thinking is, hey, Victoria, if we know the rhythms now, if we know the symbol in the label, we probably know the rhythm syllables to speak them with, correct? Yes, absolutely. So instead of having that thematic text, swish, swish, or through the window, or flying in, instead, I would put ta, ta, toddy, toddy, whatever the rhythm is. I would put those rhythm syllables spelled out and then put the stick notation on top. 
But now you might be saying, okay, Victoria, that's all well and good, but I want students to be able to see a rhythm on the board and hear it in their heads with rhythm syllables or whatever um, system you are using in your classroom, to which I say, great, beautiful. You can keep the cute little image of the bird, but then put the stick notation and nothing underneath. Okay, so already with these options of um, uh, like the text, thematic text, and an image, um, thematic text, and the graphic notation for the lines, and all of these options up to just stick notation with nothing underneath. Do you see how all of these options give us all of these different directions that we can use pedagogically in the classroom? This is what makes me so excited. All of these are the same rhythms. They're the same rhythmic building blocks, the same rhythm sets and they are all being used in connection to the same song in our teaching. But now we have all of these different possibilities for how we might use this one uh, mechanism, this one pedagogical uh, tool of rhythmic building blocks to meet students where they are at many different phases of the learning process. And can you see how with a lens for differentiation, how all of these different options might be used with different students in different um, movement progressions of notational literacy or any of the other things that we'll talk about here in a second that we can use rhythmic building blocks to do. The question here when we open up all of these different possibilities is with all of these options, how will we know <laughs> which one to choose? How will I know if I am supposed to, if students would be best served by having a thematic text and an image or uh, should I just do stick notation or should I do the rhythm syllables and stick notation? How will I know? A follow-up question to that, because this is a lot of options. A follow-up question to that that I really enjoy is just thinking about what is the purpose of the activity? What is the point? If the purpose of the activity is for students to sight read rhythms and those rhythms come from the rhythmic building blocks, well, then we would probably get a lot of information by just giving students the stick notation and then standing back to see how they interact with that material. If the purpose is something else, like perhaps uh, just coming up with movements to these building blocks as an introduction to the rhythms, well, then we are good to go with a thematic text and an image. So thinking about the purpose purpose of the activity can inform the different pathway that we choose to take with these rhythmic building blocks. Another very good question that I like to ask myself is, what will move students from the known to the unknown? What will move students from where they are right now, their current experiences, and how can that be linked to something new that I'm going to teach? And then another question that opens up a lot of really fun possibilities is what information do we get from letting students choose the building blocks that they are going to use? What information do we get from creating a couple different options of rhythmic building blocks and then saying, all right, friends, uh, second grade friends, uh, with your partner, choose the system that makes the most sense to you and then tell me why. Do you see how exciting this is? There is so much magic here, again, with this one tool for our 
teaching. All right, that is all kind of uh, context building around the rhythmic building blocks themselves. Now let's talk about the fun part. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the fun part, right? Uh, how might we use them? I thought about several different ways that I might break down the use of rhythmic building blocks in the classroom. I could have broken this down by the medium that we are using. So rhythmic building blocks for movement or for speech or for singing or for playing instruments. That could be one way to kind of categorize their use. Another way that we could categorize them is by the skill that we are using. So improvisation or arranging or sight reading or echoing or something like that. We could organize this by musical skill and that would make sense as well. But what we're going to do today is uh, break it down by pedagogy process, because for our purposes, since this is specifically a Schulwerk term, we are going to explore it with that lens. So the Schulwerk process is imitate, explore, create, and some people add label in there. Specifically, um, a lot of work from Jane Frazee does this. So imitate, explore, label, if you want to add that one, and create. For these examples, we could use all sorts of different options. Uh, one of them could be something like Bow Wow Wow, where we have something like Little Dog, Arf Arf, Tommy Tucker, Lost. That would work fine. For uh, just the sake of fun, let's move to the song Permission to Dance from the group BTS. And these are the rhythmic building blocks that we are using inside the planning binder for that activity. We have everybody want to dance, get moving, music, dance. Okay, that's what we are working with. Everybody want to dance, get moving, music, dance. Or toddy, 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 ta. Ta, ta, di, ta, 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 rest. All right. Let's talk about some of these options for imitation. This is where you are copying what I do, exactly what I do. I am asking you to do it back. So the simplest one is I speak a pattern and you speak it back. Um, my turn first. Here I go. Music, dance, music, dance. You speak. My turn. Get moving, want to dance. Get moving, want to dance. Here's a different form. Everybody want to dance, want to dance. Everybody. Okay, I'm not gonna make you uh, repeat it after me in the car, but we can do a lot just speaking different combinations in different forms for these rhythmic building blocks. Next, I can clap a pattern, same thing, but instead of me speaking it, I'm gonna clap it and you clap it back. Next, what if I am still speaking and clapping, but this time my feet are keeping a steady beat? And what if I am moving around the room to a steady beat while I am speaking and clapping, but then I pause and let you speak and move as you echo? So as I move, I might be saying, dance, get moving, want to dance, dance and I stop moving there, that's where the class starts moving around the room in open space while they echo. So we are adding movement onto this. Next, I can speak a pattern, same pattern, while I am tiptoeing, stepping, or sliding to the rhythm, and then you tiptoe, step, or slide as the echo. Notice that in the one we just talked about, I am keeping a steady beat in my feet, and now here in this second option, I am doing the rhythm of the words in my feet. 
So some different opportunities already in the back of our heads, we are imagining all of these different opportunities for rhythm versus beat that we can have with these rhythmic building blocks. And keeping with this same movement idea, what if I come up with really cool dance moves for each of these rhythmic building block cards? And then what if, instead of only speaking it back, what if you were copying my movements when you echoed the pattern? Next, I can play a pattern on an unpitched percussion instrument and you echo on that same instrument. And for this, I might be speaking the words with my pattern or I might take them out all together. So here's an example. That is want to dance, get moving, want to dance, want to dance. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Victoria, this is fun, but it's not fun enough yet. To which I say, yes, you're absolutely right. Because now we are going to move from speaking and playing body percussion and moving and playing unpitched percussion to playing melodic instruments. I have a recorder here, but this is absolutely something that you can do with a barred instrument as well. So I'm going to play a rhythm pattern on my recorder and you echo. I am starting on C. And you would play back on your instrument, also on C, want to dance, get moving, want to dance, dance. And then if that goes well, what if we expanded it? What if I were to play you a pattern using a barred instrument or a recorder using two different pitches? And I ask you to echo with both of those pitches that I used. Friends, this is all just with imitation. This is all just step one. But do you see all of the different options that there are? We haven't even gotten to all of the options. We have not listed all of the options that are possible in imitation because another avenue, in addition to just expanding on this list, another avenue that opens up a whole host of possibilities is, am I doing this as an individual? Am I doing it with a partner? Am I doing it with a small group? Or is this the teacher to the whole class. But just for the sake of time, that's where we are going to pause on imitation. Let's move on to exploration. This is where uh, you extend what we have been just echoing, copying, and we add a little tweak. We add just one small change. Here are some options. We can have students create their own movements for each card. So this is where I am giving you the card rhythm. You're not creating your own rhythms quite yet in this example. Uh, you are using the same rhythm that everybody else is, but now you are creating your own motion. The key here, uh, just as an aside, is not to let these movements get too elaborate because you're going to need to be able to perform them and mix them up in a different order, like at a moment's notice. So going back to the bluebird, bluebird example, um, if you are in a group of three as a second grader and you want to hold your hands above your head with another partner to create a window that the third person is going to fly through, well, that's going to take a little bit of a setup to kind of get coordinated. And that's going to be too long of a pattern, a too long of a length of movement to really be able to do with a lot of agility. So this one is very fun, but I do want to point out that the, the movements can't be too elaborate because again, we need to have a lot of flexibility in how they are sequenced together, how they are pieced together. Okay. So students create their movements for a given rhythm. Next, we can arrange for, arrange the rhythm for body percussion, either as a class or with a partner. 
Next, I give you a body percussion pattern using these rhythmic building blocks and you echo the same rhythm, but you improvise changes to the body percussion. Those two options, um, arranging for body percussion as a class or with a partner and me giving you a pattern with body percussion and you improvising changes to the body percussion. Those might sound very similar. The distinction that I want to make is in the first one, there is space from the musical idea to the musical output. You are turning to your partner and you are coming up with your body percussion idea. In the second one, you are doing it uh, instantly. It is improvised. So you don't have time to think about what your body is going to do. You are thinking the idea as you output the idea. So the difference in those two um, options are the differences between arranging and improvisation. Okay, next, we are all using the same rhythmic building block pattern on the board, but each group comes up with a different dynamic interpretation. An example of this is, again, either with a group or you could also do this with a shoulder partner. If we wanted to keep those same rhythmic building blocks to bluebird bluebird, it could be zoom through the window, through the window, flying in. Or you could go, instead of making one long gradual increase in the size of your voice, you could make a big voice and then a small voice and then a big voice and then a small voice. That might sound like through the window, zoom, through the window, zoom. Lots of fun. Okay, wrapping up exploration. What if I play a rhythm combination on the board with these rhythmic building blocks on, uh, let's say, two pitches? In this case, let's go back to Permission to Dance. This record is in E. So what if I play a combination on E and B and you echo that same combination but mix up the order of pitches? So if I play Get Moving, Get moving, want to dance, want to dance. You might come back with get moving, get moving, want to dance, want to dance. Let's pause for right now with exploration. There's definitely a lot more we could talk about here. Let's move on to labeling though. After we have a notation symbol and what we are going to call it in this classroom, can I put a rhythm combination on the board and move them around in different orders? And perhaps then I speak a rhythmic combination with the thematic text and you echo on rhythm syllables. So an example of this, if I go, everybody, everybody want to dance, want to dance, then you can echo back with toddy, 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 ta, toddy, ta. And then I might say, get moving, dance, get moving, dance. You say ta, toddy, ta, ta, toddy, ta. Now, this labeling moment does not last very long, so let's move on from labeling to creation. Something that I want to point out here very quickly, this for our purposes in this conversation, I am talking specifically about conscious creativity. That is creativity where I know the rhythmic element that I am working with. We can certainly have another conversation about all of the creative um, options that we have before we have conscious knowledge of this element, but that's not what we're talking about right here. So I want to make sure that I verbalized we are not 
only quote unquote allowed to create after we have a label moment. We can create at all stages all the time and we can talk about that another day. Okay, so for our purposes, this is conscious creativity after we know the elements that we are working with. Here's an option. I speak a rhythm combination and you give me a different combination back. This is very easy. This might look like if we want to take the same uh, rhythmic building blocks we were using for older beginners with uh, BTS permission to dance, I might say, want to dance, get moving, everybody want to dance. And you can give me any combination back except for the combination that I just gave you. We can do this on rhythm syllables as well at this point in the learning process. So my turn first, here I go. Ta, 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 ta di ta di ta. Your turn, make something up right here. Change the order, speak it back. My turn, ta, ta di ta di ta di ta, ta di ta. Your turn, speak something different back on your rhythm syllables. Great. Okay, so we have uh, me giving you an option, a combination, and you speaking something different back. Something that I want to point out here is uh, this is still within the parameters of the rhythmic building blocks on the board. So when you give me something back, it's going to be one of the options on the board. This is not uh, open-ended free improvisation. It is improvisation because you don't know what I am going to speak to you and you know that you need to speak something different back. So there's no way for you to prepare or think ahead. So it is improvisation in that sense, but I do want to clarify that you do not give me just any rhythmic response off the top of your head. You are using the rhythmic building blocks on the board. Again, not that there is a problem with free improvisation. It's a really wonderful thing, but this is a conversation specifically about rhythmic building blocks. Okay, let's do a different version of that. This is a very simple uh, next step of I clap or do a rhythm combination on body percussion. You clap a different combination on different body percussion back. So same thing that we were doing with speech, but now we can even take out the uh, verbalization of the rhythm and we are only using body percussion. Do you see how our previous work in exploration has given us what we need to be more successful with this step? Do you recall that in exploration, I was giving you a combination and you played it back to me on different body percussion, but it was the same rhythm back then. Now you're changing the rhythm and the body percussion. Okay. So we've scaffolded it through, <laughs> scaffolded it through with this process. Next, in a small group, let's have students arrange uh, rhythmic building blocks to create a different section to the song. So if we are working in a folk song, we might call this a B section. If we are working within a pop song, we might say that they are creating rhythms to accompany the verse or the chorus. In this case, let's do the verse. It doesn't matter um, how you want to slice and dice it as far as form. The idea is students are creating a different section of the song. So in their group, students are going to create different rhythm combinations using four cards. My recommendation is four cards and you just repeat it four times in a row. If you are doing a shorter song, you might do four cards and students only repeat it two times through. But for us, for this example, four cards, you play the whole thing through four times. So if my combination for um, permission to dance is ta, ta di ta di ta di ta, ta di ta, rest, then I just know that I'm going to repeat it four times in a row. Here we go. Ta, ta di ta di ta di ta, ta di ta, again, ta, ta di ta di ta di ta, ta di ta, third time, ta, 
ta di ta di ta di ta ta di ta last time ta ta di ta di ta di ta ta di ta rest and when we put that with the recording, that will line up with the length of the verse. Okay, when we have this uh, B section done, we could end it there and that could be its own activity. Knowing where we are in the four repetition loop, that is plenty for students, especially in this case for older beginners. But if we want to extend it, and we probably do because it could be fun, students in their group are going to choose if they will perform this B section, this extra section that they have just created with with uh, speech, with body percussion, or with movement, or with a combination of any of those. So you could speak it, you could put it on body percussion, you could create your own movements to it, or you could find a combination of all of those things. And students get like intensely creative about choreographing this, as they should, because creativity is serious business. So it can be something where perhaps you are experimenting with different levels. So some people maybe are um, kneeling on the floor and clapping and doing body percussion while you have two people on higher levels standing behind them doing movements. And then maybe there's a cool coordination uh, move where they switch for the last iteration of the rhythmic building blocks or whatever it is. So many different variations. You can have groups uh, with the possibility, with the option to travel. Your group does not have to stay in one place the whole time necessarily. Your group also does not have to pick the same thing for every repetition of the rhythm. You can choose to start with speech and and then do something with movement and then do something with body percussion and then maybe go back to speech. Or maybe that's the time that you decide to find a way to combine all of the ideas. Do you see how many options there are? This is um, like an explosive level of creativity. Now, the key with this, again, just like we talked about with students creating movement when we were uh, scaffolding up to this point, is your coordination, really cool, super awesome moves in your group, they need to be simple enough that you can play the rhythm accurately, or in the case of just moving without speaking, um, that you can think the rhythm accurately in your head and show me as the teacher where you are with your movements. So you can't... Uh, uh, completely get rid of your steady beat when you are performing this in context. So that's something uh, in terms of performance considerations that students need to be aware of. Now, let's take a step back from that in terms of all of these different options. Let's say that in a small group, uh, we'll have students create different rhythm combinations with their rhythmic building blocks and just assign body percussion to that combination. And for so many groups, this is going to be plenty of choice. This is going to be um, absolutely <laughs> the right amount of choice for their previous experience. Let's say that we are using Bow Wow Wow as our song. And let's imagine that our rhythmic building blocks are Little Dog or Ta Di Ta. We have Arf Arf or Ta Ta. We have Lost or Ta Rest and Tommy Tucker or Ta Di Ta Di. Notice that this is the same rhythmic set minus one card. This is the same rhythmic set as we were talking about with permission to dance, but now it's a little bit more appropriate because of the repertoire for younger students. Maybe if we are working with ta rest, this might be first or second grade or so, depending on what your classroom looks like. Okay, so in their small groups, students are creating that combination and then let's have them practice doing that combination two times in a row. And 
And once we as the teacher can see that every group is ready to perform their idea two times in a row, students are still in their small groups. They are still uh, looking at their rhythmic building block cards. But now the teacher or eventually a student leader is going to walk around the room as the class sings the song. So we're not in our circle doing the circle game for Bow Wow Wow. We are all in our small groups looking at our rhythmic building blocks. Everybody sings the song. Bow wow wow. Who's talking to little Tommy Tucker's dog? Bow wow wow. And whoever the teacher lands in front of at the end of the song, that's the group that's going to perform their rhythm for the class. And then the class sings the song again. The teacher walks around again. You stand in front of another group. They perform their section, their B section for the song. And it just keeps going like that. This is a nice way to uh, go through a lot of rhythmic performances to give students that opportunity to share what they have done with the class, but it makes it a much more seamless transition because everybody is singing. You know, you don't have that far in between uh, the task that you are being asked to do because everyone sings the song and then everyone is going to have a chance to share their rhythm combination. Another thing that you can do is just have the expectation that everyone is keeping a steady beat the whole time, unless it's your turn to perform your rhythm. So my opportunities to check out of this activity as a first grader um, have been diminished because I am singing the song, I am keeping the steady beat, and I don't know when the teacher is going to land in front of my group. And guess what? Uh, the teacher might land in front of another group two times in a row. We don't know what the teacher is going to do. So that's one way to facilitate sharing and then keep engagement of the whole class up as high as we can. Let's look at one more option under creation, although that there are lots more options that we are not talking about just for time. So in a small group, students are going to create a, a rhythmic arrangement with those rhythmic building blocks. They're going to create a B section to the known song. So far, so, so good. This is very similar to what we've been talking about in these other options. But now students can arrange their rhythms for barred instruments or recorder using a known tone set. And then when they have their order that they like, they can write down their melody in graphic notation or in rhythm syllables or the five line staff or whatever would be appropriate for your classroom. An example of this is inside the planning binder. Uh, there are several rhythmic building blocks that we are using for the end of the year review project. So those sound like flying machine, birds in the sky, new design, one more time, zoom, anything is possible, crash landing. And this ties into a book. There's a circle dance. It's a, it's a whole, um, a whole shebang. Uh, but the other nice thing that I like about this project is students get to choose their rhythmic building blocks, but they're also choosing the solfege tone set that they are going to use. So if they want to make their rhythm really, really complicated, it's probably going to be easiest for them to choose kind of a narrow tone set. But if they really want to move all the way around the instrument and really make a very interesting melody, then they have that option as well. So if my rhythm combination is anything is possible, anything is possible, crash, landing, zoom, let's do it again. Anything is possible, anything is possible, crash, landing, zoom. That might sound like do it again. Uh, 
And hopefully you can see how this idea of taking a rhythmic building block pattern and then putting it on a barred instrument or on a recorder, hopefully you can see how that one idea can be used with a lot of different repertoire pathways and uh, potentially a lot of different tone sets for a lot of different melodic understandings. So now we are linking our rhythmic practice to a melodic intention as well. All right, that is where I think we have to stop because we are about 40 minutes into this episode and I know that I could keep going. <laughs> but before we close, I do want to touch on uh, some of the potential pathways I see in the Kodai framework because, like I said, this uh, idea of a rhythmic building block structure, this is absolutely part of the orff schulwerk approach. But that does not mean it is exclusive to people who identify identify as ORF inspired teachers. So when I think about Kodai specific structures using rhythmic building blocks, one of the things that comes to mind is how, you know, how the practice phase is uh, divided with all of these different pathways of study. So reading and writing and part work and inner hearing and memory and form and improvisation. I see a lot of possibilities for rhythmic building blocks being used for each of these options. So just very quickly, I'm going to rapid fire through these reading and writing. I can have partners speak patterns to each other and the other one notates it with rhythmic building blocks. I can have students come to the board and mix up different options on the board and then have the class read those. I can have students arrange their own cards with their small group in front of them. And then I pick one secret pattern to clap and the groups have to identify, did I clap their pattern or not? We also talked about how these are elemental patterns. These are patterns that are naturally derived from speech. And in a lot of cases, they are naturally derived from the repertoire itself. So in small groups, can students write the song using not the uh, rhythm syllables and the words of the song, but instead using the thematic text and the rhythms that are on the rhythmic building blocks? Can they arrange the cards to put the song in the correct order using the rhythmic building blocks? And and then maybe we unarrange the cards <laughs> and we create our own version of the song. Okay, next, looking at part work, we can use these rhythmic building blocks and make an ostinato. We could also layer in several ostinati together. And just to kind of tie this together, this a pathway of part work. This is a nice example of how something from the Schulwerk has absolutely direct uh, integration in another framework in the Kodai pedagogy as well, because one of the very first things in the Katemon text that she has you doing is using these rhythmic building blocks to accompany a song. So if that's um, a hat that you want to wear, you may, if you are in the Kodai framework hat, then you can incorporate this as part of your part work in the practice phase. Next, inner hearing and memory. I'm going to go ahead and link those together just for the purposes of this example. What if I ask students to come up with four different rhythmic building block options on the board, and then we are going to speak them on rhythm syllables, then we will clap them uh, while we speak the words in our head while we inner hear, and then we will not clap, we will not speak out loud, we will only clap on the very last beat. So with whatever rhythms students have written on the board, we go through the whole thing, inner hearing, and then we clap on the very last beat. 
And then what if I ask students to speak and clap the rhythm again, but one by one, I am taking away cards from the board. So students have to memorize the pattern in order to speak it. Next, form. We've already talked about form when we were talking about creating a B section. And really, when we were talking about making a B section, and then do you remember we had the teacher walking in between groups and stopping, and whoever I stop, whoever I land in front of, they play their pattern? Well, that's not really technically a B section. That would be like a C section. So then when we go back to singing Bow Wow Wow, or uh, whatever song you are using this activity with, eventually we are not really using B sections. We are creating rondo form. And so that's a nice way to tie this into other form options as well. Something else in the form idea is uh, we have been talking about sectional form, right? Like creating a B section or doing rondo form, but we can also talk about elemental form. So A, B, A, B, A, 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 B, um, A, B, B, A, all of those things, those smaller level apple and banana forms as well. And then we have absolutely looked at opportunities for improvisation using these rhythmic building blocks. So I speak something to you, you improvise a new order back. I can also have partners turn to each other and one person is uh, popcorn, one is peanut butter, one is peanut butter, one is jelly, etc. And popcorn, popcorn goes first and peanut butter answers with their own improvisation. Now, very quickly, let's zoom through three logistics things to keep in mind. Number one, my highest recommendation is that this work with rhythmic building blocks happens in the context of repertoire and not as an isolated exercise. Number two, modeling appropriate options for the creative opportunities. That is key. If you give students an open-ended prompt, model possible correct options because one of the correct options is not run around the room while you scream the rhythmic building block names and tear everything off the walls, right? So if that's what you do not want students to do instead, let's model what you actually want from their creative outputs. It can still be creative, but we are modeling appropriate options. Number three, in the same kind of vein, we want to scaffold options. So we don't jump straight from no experience with rhythmic building blocks to 13 different options with movements and instruments. We are going to scaffold the choices. So limit the choices and then gradually expand as we are modeling each step. All right, friends, I could go on and on and on. I already have gone on and on and on about all of the possible ways we might think about and use rhythmic building blocks because there's so much more here to unpack. I have a whole other list of considerations and a whole other list of learning pathways that uh, I am not going to get to today. So hopefully we can revisit this topic another time. Like I said, this is a subject that I really, really enjoy. This is something that opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of uh, giving students active, hands-on, creative, and collaborative experiences, but having some way to kind of rein it in so it wasn't chaos. This was one of the like magic keys to the creative kingdom for me. So um, hopefully even if we did not get to all of the the possibilities that I wanted to talk about. Hopefully this kind of uh, sparks some idea of all of the different pathways that are embedded in this one pedagogical tool. 